Um, we are making a little bit of a shift today. Um, we've spent a year studying the book of Romans, and uh, we've seen all of the rich truth and all of the um, real significant response that is expected because of what we've seen in the book of Romans. Uh, we're, we're changing from a New Testament epistle to an Old Testament narrative book. We're shifting, and next week we start our journey through the book of Judges that'll be all this fall. Um, and, and today, as we are launching a number of things, we're uh, launching the new children's ministry and um, new service uh, structures and launching home churches. Um, I, I'm going to take one week to kind of ask this question. What, what are we doing? Um, there is a, a commentator. Um, he's a sports commentator who covers soccer and uh, in describing the U.S. soccer team a couple of years ago, he just was getting more and more exasperated until finally he just says, what are we doing? Um, and that clip gets pay- played again and again on ESPN. What are we doing? And I guess I want to ask you to really seriously ask that question. What are we doing here? What are we doing? Why are we here? Um, I could probably focus that a couple of uh, different ways. One of them is, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing here? Am, am I just up front trying to, um, you know, get a paycheck? Am I up front just sharing the fun things I discovered this week? Am I just trying to um, help our body be more biblically literate? Uh, am I uh, trying to lay a biblical foundation um, that establishes the groundwork of that allows you to leave here and go and, and live your life based on that? Am I trying to give you um, a list of things you have to do? What, what am I doing? And, and what are you doing here? I want you to think about why are you here? What are you expecting to get when you come to church? Um, and, and hopefully we can align our expectations because I think in God's family, there are so many times that we, we don't get what we're wanting, we, or we don't get what we expect, and, and sometimes that is because God knows what we need. I, I think about this theologically. Um, uh, about 10 years ago, I did a whole series through, um, through theological topics uh, and, and spread it out over a long time. There's about 50 messages in going through the theological topics, and, and, and it, it brings to mind this, this idea that that sometimes we're disappointed, but we're getting what we really need. Think about it in, in terms of just these theological topics. With Scripture, when we open our Bibles to, to read our Bibles, I, I, what we're wanting is a book that has all the answers. The, the answers, who should I marry? Um, how should I handle this conflict? Should I get a vaccine? Should I not get a vaccine? Um, which, how should I handle this particular? We're looking for a, a book that has all these answers in it, and what we get is actually a book that just raises the right questions. It raises the, the, the more important questions of how you're living your life and are you loving people around you. Um, with God, we're, we're wanting a God who's easily found, who we kind of bump into all the time. We're, we're looking for a God who, who, in the right time, he just taps you on the shoulder and says, here I am, here's what I want you to do. And actually the Bible reveals that those who find him are those who seek him with all his, their heart. With Christ, we're supposed to be Christ-like. We want an easy example of love. Something that, yeah, I want to be like Jesus. And he just loved people and accepted everybody. What we actually get is a radical example of love of a man who laid down his life for others. That's what love is. 
When we think about the Holy Spirit, often what we're looking for in the Holy Spirit, yes, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and he empowers me to raise my hands in victory. Yes, I am victorious over everything in my life. And what we saw so clearly in Romans 8 is that the Holy Spirit is really the one who drives you to your knees in dependence. Um, With angels, I don't know how much we think about angels around here, but, you know, we kind of think of guardian angel, someone to help me, keep me safe. Um, But really, angels are ministers for God. Um, If you keep going, when you think about mankind, anthropology, what we want is some kind of system that we can, we can manage and manipulate. If I can f- figure out other people, if I could figure out my wife, if I could figure out my son, if I could figure out people and manage and manipulate them, yeah, that'd be great. I wish I could find that out. But what we get is a mystery. You have to embrace and enter. I mean, if you're in relationship with anybody, you, you probably have learned this lesson. You this is not understandable. People are different. Genders are different. Uh, <laughs> And, and it's a mystery. You have to embrace it, and you just have to enter into it. With sin, I want a small problem that can be fixed. I, yeah, I've got a couple problems. I need, I, need, I need a little tweaking. But what we find out is that our sin is a cancer that's lethal. It's leading to our death and death all around us. And, and for salvation, we want this one-time solution. Just, okay, I'm saved, everything's fixed. And once you're saved, you are always saved. But, but once you're saved, you begin this process of transformation. We talked about salvation. There's a past, a present, and a future to it. There's justification before God. There's sanctification as you're changing and transforming. And ultimately, glorification when it's all taken place. But it's a process. Gosh, we want it to be over quick. A little more relevant for what I'm talking about today. With the church, you know what we want in the church is a perfect community to support us. A perfect community that when we show up, it's a lot of nice people who are encouraging me and making it easy, and they're here for me. What we get is not a perfect community. And welcome to the show. It's a messy community that helps you learn how to love, because it's not easy to love people. And, And that's part of what we are. We are a messy community. As I look around the room, and I'm not thinking of anyone specific, but I just I know there's messiness out there. We are a messy community, and we get together not to judge or not to fix each other. We get together to, to love one another. Finally, when I think about that, the last category of eschatology is the big theological name for it, the future. Um, we want to plan. When's he coming? Exactly what's going to look like? What are the steps? What's the sequences? And next think what the Bible is more clear in giving us is at least there's a hope. We don't know when. We don't know exactly why, how. I've got some thoughts on the sequences, but we have a hope. It's going to come. He's coming back, and he's going to set things right. Um, so church can be really disappointing if you're expecting the wrong thing. So I guess my question is, let's see if we can align ourselves and get on the same page about what we're doing. Here's Fellowship's mission statement, and this is not just on a wall. We really take this seriously. It guides the things we do. Fellowship invites people to enter God's story. Stop right there. It's God's story. It is God's story that we're inviting people into. We're not inviting God to get into your story. Your successful story of 
American middle-class life. Um, we're not asking, okay, God can be a nice little additive to that. No, we're not asking God to get in your story. We're asking you to get in God's story. God is telling this great story of redemption and restoration and ultimately his rule. God's telling a story, and, and we're inviting people to get into that. And, and it doesn't mean you just come to church to hear people talk about the story. We're inviting you to get into the story as your life is transformed and you're engaging in the lives of others as their lives are transformed. We're inviting people to enter God's story. And then once, you, once you're a part of that and you go, yeah, this is God's story. How do I participate here? It's gracious that God lets me be a part of this. Then what we do as a church, and this is kind of what we're doing, we're equipping and releasing you. I'm going to talk more about what this equipping means. But, but the idea is we want to gather together to equip, but then release you to go and become a reproducing disciple of Jesus Christ. Not a reproducing disciple of you or a reproducing disciple of Fellowship Bible Church, but a reproducing disciple of Jesus Christ. You're, you, you are in your life, in your families, in your neighborhoods, in your workplace, um, around the world in the ways that you get to get your fingers on it. Um, we are reproducing disciples of Jesus Christ. So we want to invite you into the story. We want to equip you, prepare you, but then not just say, okay, now let's all get prepared. Everybody be prepared? Okay, see you next week when we get prepared some more. It is releasing you to become a reproducing disciple of Jesus Christ. And, and the verses that Michael referred to in Acts chapter 2, they, they really are a part of a paradigm of what do we do when we get together? We get together to worship. Acts chapter 2, the birth of the church. The activities that they're involved in, they're worshiping God, they're singing praises to him, they're remembering what he has done for them, they're connecting with God regularly, they're worshiping, their, their instruction is going on as they're learning more about the apostles' teaching. Then they fellowship from home to home, and they did evangelism, they shared that ministry, and other people continued to gather into that ministry. Those are the vital things that happen in a church. Um. One of the books that talks about this most clearly is the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is an interesting book because it is, um, the term for it is non-occasional. It, it's, it's a book that's not written to fix a problem. When Paul was writing the book of Galatians, there was an occasion that prompted him to write it because he needed to fix this problem that there was people talking um, wrongly about the gospel and he's correcting that. Um, in Romans, as we saw, he's trying to unite the church that had been divided to get them united to prepare them uh, for, uh, to, so they would host him and be able to send him to Spain. So he presents the gospel and says, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. It unites us. You guys be united and let's take this gospel around the rest of the world. There, there's a reason that all these books are written. Ephesians is really interesting. There's not a specific problem that's being addressed in Ephesians. Um, it's usually the book that I tell new Christians read first because it's, it's kind of generic in the best sense. It's, it's general. In fact, the early copies that we have of it, some of the early copies um, where it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the saints at, it says Ephesus. We've got a number of copies that have other places in there. We even have some copies that there's a blank in there because this one was one that was really quickly noticed. This fits anywhere. Ephesians fits anywhere. It is good for any church, and it's embedded within Ephesians 4, 
that we find the answer to this question, what are we doing here? Let me show you the verses. It's Ephesians 4, it's 11 through 16. We'll put it all together, but here's, here's how it starts. Um, speaking of the ascended, resurrected Christ, the victorious Christ over sin and death uh, ascends as the victor into heaven, and, and as the victor, he distributes gifts. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service or ministry to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. What are we doing? This. What am I doing? This. What are you doing here? It's this. Um, Christ in his victorious ascension, distributed gifts. And, and part of those gifts are gifted teachers, apostles and prophets, evangelists, and then there's, the group goes together at the end, the category I would fit into, pastor teachers. They've been gifted to the church, and they've got a specific purpose. They are for the equipping of the saints. Um, this is an equipping time, not a spectator time. Uh, this is not a time when I do the work of ministry. I'm using my gifts to equip you so that you can do the work of, of the service. The, the word there is ministry. Um, and, and when that happens, the body of Christ is built up. The, this body grows when, when, when we gather to equip and we are equipped. And, and then the body's growing and it's unified, the unity of the, of the faith, because we're all around this thing. I mean, it's that Romans thing. We're united around the gospel. And we grow deeper in the knowledge of the Son of God. We know who we are. We become mature in our functioning. And we reach the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. We're looking more and more Christ-like in our lives. This is why we're here. We are here to be equipped. As we enter God's story, we go, okay, I'm part of the story. Now what I do? What do I do? Well, we're equipping you with some foundational truths to know the gospel, to know um, who the Son of God is. And, and, and there's an important word. We talk about it all the time. Uh, this word equipping, it's, it's the Greek word katartismos. Um, let me see if I can illustrate it for you. It's equipping or preparing, perfecting. Um, it, it's a word that's used to get something ready to be useful. Um, it's used in medical um, terminology, this word, katartismos. It's used of setting a bone. When, when a bone is damaged and it's broken, it's not useful anymore, and you set the bone. Um, it's also used of, of the exercise to make that stronger. Um, it, it's, it's repairing it and then strengthening it so that it can now be useful. The most common place that this is used outside the Bible um, is in fishing context. Uh, imagine yourself, first century, this when this word would have been used in, in this context. Um, a, a boat about as large as this platform area that I'm standing on on the Sea of Galilee uh, could have had a, a number of men in it, and um, they would be out there on the sea fishing, and they, they fished with nets. They would throw their nets out. There'd be weights um, around the, the net so that parts of it would sink, and then they had ropes that they would pull it back up, and the fish would be caught 
in the nets. Well, when they would bring the nets back in, get all the fish out, there were parts that had come untied, parts that had broken, and they had to repair them. They had to do this word. They had to kartartizmas. They had to now equip the nets to be useful for the next time. And that took some repairing, sewing up some holes, um, weaving things back together. But it also puts, took some preparing to get them folded the right way so that when you get out on the, the, the sea, you're not just grabbing and throwing this mess. You, you have to fold them actually well so that when you throw them out, the weights go and they spread out. They had to repair and prepare them to be useful. This is the word that is used for the gifted leaders. The gifted leaders are supposed to um, equip the body, prepare the body, mend the body. Um, They are supposed to um, get the body perfected and, and, and ready to be useful. And that, that kind of requires two things. Repair. Repair from the damage of the world. Repair from the damage of what false teaching and, and social um, craziness has, has brought about. It's repairing that damage. It's, it's repairing the damage of, of people who have damaged you in horrible ways. It's, it's repairing the damage of your own foolish choices, my own foolish choices. It's repairing that damage and finding healing and forgiveness and new direction and new purpose. It's repairing, but it's also not just repairing the hurt and the damage, but preparing you to be useful, preparing you to be a part of what God is doing. You see, we're inviting you into God's story, then equipping and then we want to release you to go be useful in the story. And when that happens, we have a stable life and everybody does their part to, to build up the body of Christ. Here's what he goes on to say. He, when, when this happens, as a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. The crazy stuff that people want to teach. By the trickery of men and craftiness of deceitful scheming. That doesn't have an effect on us because we've got a foundation that we're standing on. And we speak the truth in love. We grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. We're growing up to become more like Christ. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, because every person is necessary in all of this, according to the proper working of each individual part, it causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Put this together in a couple of different ways. When you're equipping the saints, gifted leaders are equipping others. And I'm not the only equipper around here. I'm not the only pastor, teacher. There are, there are a number of pastors who are, who are helping repair. We've got a counselor, Matt Spicer, who's really focused on that repairing end of things. There are others on, on, on our staff who, who are helpful in that. But then there's those who are focused more on the preparing and what we're trying to do is, is repair and prepare so that every Christian can be active in ministry and then the body is built up. And every minister members, ministers to build up the body. Um, church is not a spectator sport. Church is not where we gather around and we watch some people sing and we watch some people and listen to some people teach the word of God and then we go home and go about our business. Church is where you're, you're, you're practicing, you're, you're learning how to go and, and, and make an impact in your world. Another way you can look at this, leaders equip the body, 
The body of Christ does the ministry. The body is built up in unity, maturity, and Christ-likeness. What are we doing? (laughs) What am I doing? I'm trying to equip, repair some of the damage of crazy things that are being taught by saying, here's the truth of Scripture. I'm trying to prepare, getting people ready to be useful and used in ministry. I'm trying to prepare the body so that you can do ministry in your homes, in our church, in your neighborhoods, around the world. And that builds the body up. And we're unified in that. We're growing in maturity in that. We're not tossed around and and Christ-likeness is the goal, not numerical growth and bigger buildings and more butts in the seats and more bucks in the offering plate. It's not about building bucks and and, um, buildings, bucks and butts. It's not about that. It's about ministry getting done. It's about unified ministry of mature people who are growing in Christ-likeness and helping others do that as well. And, And we're in this together. In Philippians, Paul says this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for all of you, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. Some versions translate that participation in the gospel. It's literally the word for fellowship. It's koinonia, a common word around churches. It's koinonia. We are partnering together. We are participating together. We are fellowshipping together. And the key idea of this word of fellowship is sharing something. Um, it's, it's not giving it away. It's sharing. It can be sharing interests. You're fellowshipping because you share interests. You share concerns. You can share money. Actually, giving an offering in the New Testament is a fellowship. Um, sharing burdens, sharing meals, that's called fellowship. When you're sharing together, and that's what we're doing. We're coming together to be equipped so we can share together a partnership. We're all in this thing together. And that partnership around here, we say, it's a partnership that's relational and functional. Relationally, you're part of our services. You're part of the groups. You're growing. You, 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 you are learning in our gathered meetings, the big meetings. You're learning in that. But then why these small groups are so vital is because that's where you know each other in a, in a, in a way that's real. And you can look at each other and say, you know what, you need to grow in this way. You need to hear this. Or, or I need you guys to tell me where I'm blind in these areas. It's relationally connecting where you're attending, you're part of the bigger group, but you're connecting in the smaller group as well. And you're functionally, you're, you're giving to support the work of the ministry. And you're serving somewhere. You're, you're connecting, you're serving. Let me just quickly run through what that looks like. Connected to God primarily in word, worship, and prayer. You're connecting to God through hearing his word, worshiping him, and through prayer. Um, That's how you connect with God. You listen to him. You respond back to go, wow, I see in your word, you're amazing, you're gracious. I praise you. And God, I'm going to talk to you about what's going on in my life because I know what you're up to. I know it's your story. Let's talk about my involvement in your story. That's how you connect to God. And we see all this in Hebrews. Um, I'm going to stay in Hebrews for a little bit of time here. First of all, connecting to God's word. Listen to what God's word does. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Um, The word of God is not a blanket. It's got an edge. 
when you engage with the Word of God, it's not there just to comfort you and say, okay, you're all right. Look at it. The Word of God's living. It's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. And it doesn't give you a list of behaviors. Look at what it does. It pierces as far as the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, able to judge the reflections and thoughts of the heart. No creature is hidden in the sight of him, but all things are naked and laid bare to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The the word of God penetrates deeply down to our passions, our motives. It it says here, the the reflections and the thoughts of the heart. It's one of the reasons I I rarely give you five steps to this or, or three steps to this not what the Bible does. The Bible's not a steps book. The Bible is a penetrating book that gets down to your motives. And when your motives and your intentions and your passions and your heart changes, then you, you know how to make the right steps. We encounter God's word in this way. It's living, it's active, it's sharp, it penetrates into our lives. We connect with God through worship as well. Um, Through him, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. This comes at the end of Hebrews where he's talking about all these great things Christ has done. And, And we continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of his lips that acknowledge his name. When we see what God is doing, when we invite you into God's story and we see his story... That, that even, as we sang today, and we'll see so clearly in the book of Judges, even when I'm not faithful, he is. When you get to see that in Scripture and you go, yeah, me too, then you, then you sing praises to his name. Thank you for being faithful. I can trust you. I can rely on you. But look at the last part of this too. And don't neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Here's the thing that pleases God. Praise his name and love some people around you. Do some good things. Be nice to people. That's what worshiping God is. We hear his word. It orients us to who he is, what he's up to, how we can involve ourselves in that. And we respond by praising him and talking to him, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I'm involved in his story and I'm going to pray, God, I need help in doing this. And that help is going to come in all kinds of different ways. It may come with more scripture. It may come with more community. It may come with an idea. But you're never going to you're never going to go to the throne of of grace unless you're overwhelmed with his grace and you recognize you're a part of his story. It's not about your story. You're not inviting God into your story. You're involving yourself in his story. And and we connect to others. Um, I'm going to go through these verses pretty quickly, but mostly I just want you to see all of the let us, all of the plurals. This This is not a here's what you should do. It's here's what we should do. As we connect to God and understand who he is, um, his word, as we're in it personally, as we're in it communally, as his word reveals who he is and we respond to that, it's with others that we grow. We, we grow and we serve with them. Listen to all the let us's here. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter into the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus because of what he's done for us, by the new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the curtain, that is his flesh, and since we have this great high priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith, 
our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for the one who promised is faithful. Let us enter into his presence together and let us hold fast and and encourage one another because we're doing this communally of, yeah, he is faithful and I'm reminding and I'm hearing your story. He hasn't been faithful to me recently, but tell me about your faithful story. And that's going to encourage me to hold on until he's faithful to me. He's faithful throughout. We just don't get to see the glimpses except along the way when our eyes are open. We see, oh, now I see what he's up to. And I need to get together and hear that from other people. We hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. How do I hold fast the confession of hope? By getting to other people who are holding on to that as well. And then he says this, and let us, let us, Think about how to stir one another up to love and good works. How do we provoke others to love more, to grow, and, and to be involved in good works? The, the word for that, the word stir there, literally is the word irritate, which, by the way, I've said this before. Some of you are just kind of like, praise God, that's my gift. I'm irritating. Uh, don't quote me. Let us think about how to, how to stir one another, provoke one another, to love and good, good works. Not abandoning our meeting together. Get together. Let us do this. Getting together. Because some of them are in the habits of doing that. But we need to do it more and more as we see the day drawing near. I'm not a prophet. I'm not predicting anything. Oh my gosh, the day's drawing near. And not only are we, are we connecting with God through worship and connecting with others in these small groups... But we're involving ourselves and, and, and giving, which is only a part of stewardship. And, and I've got a verse for every one of these. I'm going to skip them. But I just want to encourage you that stewardship is just, stewardship is how you manage your whole life. Stewardship is not about just giving. Stewardship is not about money. Stewardship is about my whole life. Everything I have, all my resources belong to God. And I'm managing. That's what a steward does. He manages for someone else. Um. God is managing. So are you a hard worker in that? Are you managing all your resources, your time, um, your house, your vehicles? Are you cautious in debt? Because that can really be something that traps you. And, And giving is a part of that. Are you a joyful giver? Because you understand God's blessed me with so much more than I could ever um, use. And are you a wise investor of your time and your energies and your resources? Are you investing them in the purposes of God? Verses for all of that. Um, but, but we're also um, doing something else. We're serving in what we call our shape. Um, the church that I grew up in, the, the model for serving was this. Guilt plus time equals service. We don't want to be that church, okay? We're, there are times when we have to say, hey, we need some people here. We need some people here. But for the most part, here's what I know would be true. If everybody would just serve in your shape, serve how God's crafted you to serve, all of our needs would be met. Because God is the one who, Ephesians 4, is putting and fitting this whole thing together. So serve with whatever your gift is, whatever the supernatural thing God empowers you to do, that you kind of, when you feel it, you go, that's not me. What is your passion, your heart? What, what are you just excited about? You, 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 you think about it all the time. 
What about your ability? What are you just naturally good at? Your, your personality. Are, are, you, are you a behind-the-scenes kind of person? Are you up front and bubbly? Do you, do, you, do you love to hang out with kids? What's your personality? And then how has God shaped different things in your life and given you experiences that you kind of look at it and you just go, hmm, maybe I could make that available to some other people for the benefit of Christ. Got verses for all of those as well. Just pointing out one quick thing: um, we have a we have a class that we do in the fall called Discover You. If you're wondering, gosh, I don't know what my shape is. I don't help me figure that out. We actually will get together with you and equip you to help you figure that out. So I guess let's figure this out between Romans and Judges. What are we doing? We are getting together so that some of the gifted leaders. Um, can equip you, repair the damage that has been done by the world, by others, and by you to yourself. Repairing that damage. That's what we're doing. What are we doing? We're getting together to repair. And we're getting together when that repair is done to strengthen and, and get you ready to be launched and released into service. That's, that's what we're doing here. And, and when you're released, what that means is you're you're, you're part of the relational web. God has joined you and fitted you together, and we're united around the cause of Christ. And, and, and united around the cause of Christ, we're advancing God's purposes to bring Him glory and to make Christ known and to do all of that empowered by the Holy Spirit. You support that work with, with your resources, and you support that work with your involvement serving in your shape. So what are we doing that's what we're doing. And I'm going to say, now's the time. Let's start really doing that. We've just laid this huge foundations in Romans of, of all that God has done for us and, and how we respond personally and, and within the body and with those who are outside the body and even to our government and those we have differences with. We just laid all of that foundation. We're, we're going to get ready and we're launching into a series on a, on a book that is society has gone crazy. And here's the dangerous part of, of the book of Judges. The Israelites look like the Canaanites. And I am so terrified that the church is beginning to look like the world. And we need to look at Judges to say, Let's not be like that. Let's hold on to the God who is faithful. He won't abandon his church. The gates of hell won't prevail against the church. But unfortunately, Israel survived, but they were judged again and again and again. And God had to use some pretty weak people to be useful for the kingdom. But God is faithful. What are we doing we're getting together so we can be fixed up a little bit, folded and ready, so that when the time comes, we can be thrown out, and a harvest of, of good fruit and unity and souls are harvested for the cause of Christ.